Uh, so recently, um, both of my boys uh, started losing some teeth, okay? And uh, they actually, it's kind of funny, they both, um, I don't know why this happened for them particularly, but they both uh, lost their, their two um, bottom um, teeth. This is a picture of both of them. Um, they both lost, it looks, um, they're pretty redneck, I guess, or something uh, with the teeth missing. But in case on the right, he had only lost one at that point, but they both lost their their bottom teeth. And of course, when this happened, um, this was a pretty big deal for my, my two boys, um, you know, because for quite some time, um, they would walk up to me or, or my wife and they would say, hey, dad, I got a wiggly tooth. And so you'd wiggle it, right? And it wasn't wiggly at all. They were just like, I think they just really wanted um, a tooth to, to fall out. But eventually um, they did, they started falling out. And so of course, they were like super excited that they were losing a tooth. And so my youngest son, Caleb, was actually the first one to lose a tooth, and, and, um, and he was really excited when it happened. And so we were explaining to him and that, hey, you know, that's really cool. We're going to take that tooth, and we're going to put it underneath your pillow tonight. And, um, and we were explaining to him how the tooth fairy was going to come and was going to take the tooth and give him some money, right? And um, which is a whole other story of the debate my wife and I had about how much money. She's much more generous than I am. But um, so we were, we were like talking about how you're going to get some money underneath your, your pillow. And, and, and which was all great. But really the issue began um, after we explained this to him. And he went to bed that, that night. And as soon as we shut the door, my son Caleb started like freaking out. Like screaming, crying. And I'm like, what is going on? Like not a, not a cry like... I'm kind of scared, like a legitimate, I am like petrified of something going out, go, go, going on here. And what we end up finding out after, you know, trying to figure out what is going on, why is he, because we're all like, what is your problem, dude? Like, what is, what is the big deal? But what we end up finding out that in his mind, somehow I, we did not explain this whole tooth fairy thing very well. He thought that in the middle of the night, this fairy was going to come into his room, pluck his teeth out that were in his mouth, and take them. Like, he did, he's like, I don't want the money, Dad. Like, I know, I mean, I, I don't want money. Like, don't pluck my teeth, right? And, and so, of course, like, I mean, this was a huge deal, folks. Like, this was, like, a big deal in the Strickland household. Like, how do we deal with this kid who thinks, and we're, like, trying to, no, 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 no. No, it's not going to happen. It got so bad that his second tooth that was getting ready to fall out, like, literally was dangling by, I don't even know what it was dangling by, but he refused for that sucker to come out. Like, he did not want it because he's like, I don't want no tooth fairy coming and plucking my other teeth. Like, he legitimately thought this was going to happen. It got to the point where I had to, break it to my four-year-old that it was going to be me coming in the room. Like there was no, like it wasn't, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody else, but it, there was, it wasn't going to actually be a fairy coming in, right? And so I, this is, I mean, true story. We, I had to put my son to bed, put the tooth under his pillow because he didn't believe me. He's like, no, no, I don't believe you. They're going to come take my teeth. And I'm like, just pretend like you're going to sleep. Watch, it's going to happen. And I had to like, with all the lights on, sneak into his room, like look at him like, it's me. And then come in, like put some money underneath his pillow and take the tooth for him to believe that I was, what I was saying was true. Of course, you know that this is true, that what you believe, it matters, right? It changes how you view things in your life. And all of you can relate. Now, maybe not with the, the tooth fairy, but you have beliefs as well, right? For, for all of us, I would say you have, you have negative beliefs, some of you, you're, you're here today, you're, you're a teenager, and, and you really, and I'm not, I'm not being funny when I say this, you really believe that your, your parents are kind of like right now your worst enemy. Like you truly believe that at, at the heart of things that you're like, my parents don't allow me any freedom. 
They, they don't allow me to do anything. They don't, allow, they don't give me anything. It's like you believe with all that's in you. And of course, everybody else doesn't understand it. But in, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of it at all. Like truly, you believe that your parents are your worst enemy. You, some of you believe your teachers, they can't stand you. They dislike you. You know, some of you, you believe that your boss is truly evil. Like you would say, I don't even understand how they could become a boss. Like it does not make sense to me. Some of you might believe that your siblings are evil. Some of you, you're here today, and you believe that there's no way your marriage will ever work. You believe that. Your your spouse might not know that, but you literally believe, we're just never going to get along. It's just not going to work. It's what you believe. So you have these negative beliefs in our life, but you also have positive things as well. Like Some of you are really good at believing the best in people. And it's like you run into somebody and somebody says something negative about somebody, you're just like, oh, no, no, they could never do that, right? I mean, you just, you just have this, this way of believing the best in people. Th- some of you have this, this thing in, in you that when tragedy hits, you just have this understanding that it's all going to work out, it's okay. Others of us, you know, it's like when tragedy hits, we freak out and we're like, I don't know what to do, I don't t- know what to do. But some of you have just this, this, this idea in your mind that it's okay, I can get through this. So you have beliefs and I think those things, they shape you, even, even if they're not true, right? I mean, some of us have things in our head that we, we believe, and yet we know they're really not true. So a, a couple of years ago, our, our staff, we took a, 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 um, a personality test where it was called Leading from Your Strengths. And in this test, you know, a lot of different questions, a lot of different tests out there you can do. But at the end, it kind of gave you like some different things that you're really good at, and then it kind of gave you some warnings about yourself. And it was fascinating as I was reading my report, and at the same time, it was a little scary, like, because it was talking about me and some of the things that I struggle with. And as I was reading it, I was like, man, that, that's like right on. It's true. And one of the things that this test said is that I have a hard time trusting people. Now, one of the things I struggle with, just being honest, and some of you can relate to this, is that naturally when I meet somebody for the first time, or I get to know somebody for the first time, I struggle to trust that person. It's like, I had this feeling, and actually said this in the test, that you think that everybody is out to get you, right? And some of you know exactly what I mean. Some of you don't understand this, but it's like when I meet somebody for the first time, I'm like, what do they really want from me, right? Like, what are you trying to get out of me? And it's something that I know is not true of people, but I have to fight it in my life. So what you believe, it matters, not only in these things, but it matters in your faith as well. What you believe when it comes to your faith, it matters. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, I know exactly what I believe when it comes to my faith. I know what I believe in. Or maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm not so sure what I believe. I'm not really sure if I truly believe in the things that I believed when I was a kid. And I would just say this, that no matter where you're at, I think this is a great series to be a part of because you get to see what it is that we believe as a church, as a whole. And what we've been talking about in this series is what we call our statement of faith. In other words, it's what we believe as a church. Thornpill Valley Church, what do we stand behind? In other words, you could go to any church and you could ask them, what is your statement of faith? And it's going to be this thing that they just would say, this is kind of what we believe, kind of overarching as a church, what it is. And some of these things are really long. Some of them are short. Some of them are kind of in between. And see, what we believe is that if what we really think matters, if the, 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 our faith really matters, if what we are actually saying, we believe in this thing or that thing, if it does matter, and it does, then we need to be crystal clear on the things that we believe in. So for us as a church, we have been crystal clear on that, and it's spelled out in what we call the Apostles' Creed. In fact, the Apostles' Creed is our statement of faith. 
In other words, you could read a statement of faith from some churches and they're really lengthy, they have all these different things, and we've just kind of said, at the core of things, this is what we believe. This thing called the Apostles' Creed. And so each week we've been kind of talking about this creed, we've been going through it, and this is week three of the series. And I just want to challenge you, if you have not listened to the messages, if you miss for some reason, you can go back online, you can watch these for free, you can download the podcast for free. And so week one, uh, Pastor Jeff talked about this idea of first and foremost, we just believe. Okay, and, and that's the, the first thing. And again, I'm not going to reiterate this. Go back and listen to it. Week two, we talked about the first part of the Apostles' Creed. And Jeff talked about this idea of how God is our Father. And so this week, I'm going to kind of continue this, and we're going to take the next kind of portion of the Apostles' Creed. And before we do that, though, we're going to read this together out loud. Now, I, I just have a confession to make. One of the things I'm just not good at, and I found this out last night when I did this, is I'm not good at, like, leading all of you in reading out loud. And I guess I went like really fast through it. Some of you, you've complained to me. I talk way too fast and yeah, 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 I hear it. Okay, but it's just who I am. Okay, so get over it. <laughs> but I really need your help with the Apostles' Creed because I guess everybody last night was looking at each other going, I can't keep up with him. I'm just done. Okay, and I really don't want that. So I want us to read this together out loud. And, um, and so I need you to be, because part of my problem last night was everybody was so weak in their voice, probably because no one was saying it because they couldn't keep up with me, right? But I need you guys to just really help me read this out loud if you would be willing to. Can you do that? You guys sound excited. Okay, great. Oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Okay. All right, so let's do this together. And I'm going, if I sound like I'm going as slow as this, it's because I'm really trying to go slow. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He descended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You guys were awesome. <clears throat> I felt like we were moving like, uh, 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 but you guys, did, thank you. That was, that was incredible. That was, that was really good. Oh man, I feel so proud. All right, so this week, we're going to pick up and we're going to continue the Apostles' Creed. And so again, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you to go back. But this week, this is the portion that I'm going to talk about where it just says this, that Jesus, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified died and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So let's dive into this. So this week, we pick up in, in, in the story of really of Jesus, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. We talked about that last week. And then eventually, after he did his ministry, it, it picks up in this place where he says that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Now, the question would be this. Why would you include this name into the Apostles' Creed? Like this guy by the name of Pontius Pilate. Why would you include his name? And many people actually believe it's to include history so that you know that this event, it actually truly happened. In other words, it's not a fairy tale. Jesus truly was who he said that he was. And here's what we know. 
There, there have been since the, the death of Christ, since the resurrection of Christ, that since that point, people in history have been trying to say that this event actually never happened. In fact, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, it says this. It says this, that when the chief priests had met with the elders, and they devised a plan, and they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets back to the governor... We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. In other words, these people didn't want people to know that this event in history actually took place. We believe, what we believe as a church is that this was a real event. And I get some of you, you might not believe it. You might say, I, I don't really believe in this whole Jesus thing. I, I, don't, I, I don't quite buy into it. And, and look, you have to wrestle through that. You have to figure that out. We're, we're glad that you're here. It's not like you can't be here if you are wrestling through this. But we believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. And then we believe that he was crucified. He died. And he was buried. Folks, if you hear nothing else that I say today, I hope that you'll hear this. We believe that with all that is in us, that Jesus not only was born, not only did he live here on this earth, but listen, he loved you so much. He loved me so much that he was willing to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. That Jesus loved you so much that he had you in mind so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you and for me. And I know that would seem kind of like some people would like to argue and say, well, that just kind of seems crazy. Why does somebody have to die for our sins, right? In other words, why couldn't God just say, hey, everybody's forgiven? Why couldn't God just say, instead, of, why does there have to be a sacrifice? Why does there have to be a punishment for our sins? Why does Jesus have to actually die to forgive me? And here's why. When you think about it, it's not that far off from what you truly believe. Think about it this way. When, when you're wronged by somebody, there's always a price to pay, right? So if somebody wounds you and then they instantly say, I'm sorry, does it mean that that pain goes away right away? No, like there's, there's, there's a wound there, right? So, so you're at school and, and somebody picks on you, somebody puts you down and they, they realize that they've wounded you and hurt you and they come to you and say, well, I'm sorry. Does that mean that instantly everything is forgiven and everything is good in life? Like you no longer have wounds? Of course not. You, you, you allow somebody to borrow something of yours, a machine or something that costs a lot of money, and they take it to their home and they break it, and they bring it back to you broken, snapped in half, and they go, well, I'm sorry. Is it just done then? I mean, is it, so it's just, all, that fixes it, right? It just all of a sudden goes back together. No, there's a price to pay, right? In other words, if you want that thing, you've got to go out and buy it again, right? There's always a price to pay. In other words, the word sorry don't fix everything. In life, even though sometimes we think that they do, right? So my, my two boys, they, they love to wrestle. Like, they've been really big into wrestling with me. And so we'll go, you know, we'll go in the living room, and I'll get down on my knees, and I'm like, yeah, let's wrestle, and we'll kind of get into it with each other. And uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I was wrestling both of them, and, which I don't know how much longer I can do this. I got to just be honest with you. Like, these guys, I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, but I'm on my knees, and I'm looking at Caleb, and I'm like threatening him in some great way or whatever, and he's threatening me, I'm going to take you down, blah, blah, blah. And Kaysan, my older, he comes running behind me. He jumps in the air and puts both of his kneecaps up and just hits me square in the back, like just two knees right in the back. 
And I like go down, like trying not to cry. And I'm like, oh, my, my back. And it, it, it gets worse. My head is down like this. And Caleb sees that I'm vulnerable, right? And so, so legitimately, true story, he goes, bam. And he kicks me square in the nose. Like, so I'm like down like this, hits me. I'm like, oh, and I'm back up. And I just fall down and I'm like, oh, oh, my back's broke. My nose is broke. And my wife's laughing. She thinks it's great. And, and I'm like, oh. And both of them are like, dad, I'm, I'm sorry. And instantly my pain went away. No, that's not how it works, right? It's like there's always a price that has to be paid. See, the reason why Jesus needed to die for your sins and for mine is because a price had to be paid. And get this, Jesus was willing to pay that for you. Let that sink in. Jesus was willing to pay that price for you. And then we believe that he descended into hell. And the amazing thing, again, think about this. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He paid the price Our sins were carried to the hell that we deserve. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. In the book of Revelation chapter 1, it says this, I'm the living one. It says, I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's why we celebrate Easter because death could not actually hold him down. We believe that he ascended into heaven and he sits on the right hand of God the Father. The the account of Mark, he writes this, he says this, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, it says that he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So these are the accounts of people who are eyewitnesses of this thing and this is what we truly believe. So what does all this mean? If, If this is really what we believe, and I know some of you think, well, this is just kind of simple, right? Like, so, yeah, Je- I've heard this story before. Jesus came to this earth, he walked the earth, and then he died on a cross, and they put him in this tomb, and then he, oh, he rose from the dead. It was this great thing. It's so simple. And maybe kind of for some of you, you think it's kind of a little crazy. And I get that, and I respect that. But I have to tell you, this is why I love my faith. The fact that God loved me so much that he was willing to send his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. And, and you know, sometimes this is where Christians, we get so messed up we get so messed up thinking about and, and, and complaining about things that truly don't matter. We get caught up in so much crap in life that doesn't really matter. In fact, some of you are more obsessed with the fact that I just said the word crap than anything else I've said this entire time. Think about that. For, for some of us, we get so caught up in things like churches. Think about this. They split over the color of carpet. It happens. They split over, are we going to sing songs like hymns or are we going to sing like these worship songs, contemporary songs? I mean, literally think about the things that we argue over when in reality, in my opinion, we don't want to get caught up in that kind of stuff. The amazing thing and why we keep it simple at TVC, why we're just saying we believe in the Apostles' Creed is because the biggest and the greatest thing is this, is that Jesus loved you so much that he died on a cross. Simple. That's all there is to it. That he loves you so much that he died on a cross for you. What color carpet? Who cares? Okay? What kind of songs? Who cares? What matters is that Jesus died for all. And so what does this mean? What are the implications to this? The first thing I would say is this, is that this is for you. If this is true, if you believe this like we believe it, then the first thing you have to understand is that this is for you. Well, who is you? It's you. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. Tell him. Just let them know. Give a little attitude if you want. No, don't do that. Just say, this is for you. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're, You're thinking, no, no, Joel, this is for my mom and dad. Because they're spiritual. Like, like, they grew up in church. In fact, they made me come today. 
This isn't for me, and I would argue with you. You're wrong. It's for you. Some of you would say, I'm just like a middle-aged person. I just do construction. I'm here because my wife wants me to be here. This isn't for me. It's for my wife. No, no, this is for you. That Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you. Whether you accept it or whether you don't, that is a reality of what Jesus was willing to do for you. I'm just a teenager. Hear me. No, this is for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter your background. Get this. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter if you are a Michigan or a Michigan State fan. <clears throat> Some of you aren't going to like this next one, but it's true. It doesn't matter who you vote for. It doesn't matter in any of those things. This is for you. Think about that. Think about the fact of all the things that we get so riled up about. Oh, who are you voting for? Oh, what are you going to do? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I think you should vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't have opinions, but what I'm saying is this. Even if someone votes differently than you, guess what? Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. And that's the amazing thing, is that this is for you. In the book of 1 Peter, he writes this account. He says that Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. It says that he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. It says that he suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. This is for you. And some of you, you need this that the love of God is not for the spiritual elite. It's for all of us. And so what does that mean? If we truly believe that, the second thing I would say is this, is that that means that grace is available to you. That if this is truly for you, and it's for me, and it's for every person listening to this, every person in our world, then that means that grace is available. And some of you, you need this today. Come on now. That grace is available for you. Some of you, this is what I know about your life. You're hiding your sins these days. You're caught up in something these days, and nobody else knows. And you're too petrified to come out in what it is that you are struggling with in your life. You feel like there's no way that you can truly be honest about the things that you're struggling with in life, about who you really are, about the person that you've actually become, a struggle that you have. And can I just tell you something? That is a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil that God's grace is available to you. You say, Joel, man, you don't understand how deep I've gotten into sin. I don't care how deep you've gotten into sin. I don't care what you've done, that there is grace available to you. One of my favorite, favorite verses, Paul writes this. He says this, that God saved you by his grace. Get this. Everybody say these three words with me. When you believed. God saved you by his grace. When? When you got everything right? when you confessed all of your sins to, to the person that you wronged, when you stopped looking at pornography, when you, when you stopped cheating on your spouse, when you stopped doing this thing or that thing, when you stopped lying in school, when you stopped vaping, when you stopped doing all the things that you're doing in your life. No, he says that by his grace, he, he saved you. Get this, when you believed. When you believed, he says, and you can't take credit for this. In other words, Jesus understood this. Come on, I just got to tell you this. Jesus understood this. If it was about your works and what you do, then all of us would be going, look how good I am. I got it all together. That's why for some of us, we look at other people and go, why, why are they in church? They're a mess. No kidding, and so are you. And the reason why Jesus understood this is because he's saying, look, it's not about what you do. He says that when, when you were saved by his grace, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. 
Why? So that none of us can boast about it. Did you see that? That he didn't save you when you acted right. He didn't save you when you stopped sinning. He didn't save you when you got over your addiction. He didn't save you when you stopped smoking pot. He didn't save you when you never had a doubt in your life. See, the spiritual elite, the world says that you gotta get your act together and then you can choose to follow. And Jesus says, hey bro, you can't get it together. He didn't really say, hey bro, but that's just what I think he would say to you, okay? You can't get it together. Now, no, don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying that you should do things that are bad. I'm not saying that you should do the thing. You're going, well, so are you just saying I can do whatever I want in life? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying to you is that grace is available to you, regardless of where you're at in your life. And Jesus is just saying, would you come follow me? I'll help you walk through that. I'll, I'll lead you through that. But grace is available to you. This is the amazing news of Jesus that he was willing to pay the price. No matter the cost, he was willing to pay it. So when I was uh, a junior in college, one of my, my best friends, still one of my best friends to this day, his name is Brody, um, he uh, had a crush on a girl. And, um, and so, you know, as guys, like in college, we we kind of harassed him about this girl that he really liked and none of us really had um, serious girlfriends or anything like that. And so Brody, we kind of knew he liked this girl. Her name was Sherry. And, and so we had kind of like made, were making fun of him a little bit about, hey, so you like her? And of course he was all playing, oh, no, I don't, I don't really like her. I, I don't really like her at all. And, and Sherry, she played actually on the volleyball team at, at Cornerstone where we went to school. And one evening there was this event, a fundraiser that the volleyball team was doing, and this probably sounds really bad when I look back at it, but it was all for a good cause, so just hang with me. But what they were doing is they're they're auctioning off these volleyball players uh, to go on a date with them. And the the idea was that people, the highest bidder, got to take this person out to coffee, and then all the money was used for charity. And so we knew that this event was coming, and so we, like, of course, as good friends would do, we began to harass Brody and say, "Well, how much are you going to spend on Sherry?" in this auction. And he's like, ah, I don't even know if I'm going to go. We're like, come on, dude. Like, you're, you know you're going to. You, you like her. I don't really like her. Yes, you do. So finally we get him to say like, well, I'm willing to spend, I think he said he'd spend $30. That's it. $30 maximum. That's all I got. $30 is the most. So we go to this auction. I mean, this packed place. And one by one, these girls come up and they're getting auctioned off for a day. And all this money goes to charity. Again, I know it sounds really bad and it probably was, but, but they're doing this event. <clears throat> And I'm telling you, the maximum amount of money that maybe a girl was getting auctioned for was like $30, $40. Again, these are college kids, and so again, good cause. And a lot of them are their boyfriends and blah, 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 like this. And so Sherry walks up, and she stands there on the stage, and it's time to, for her to be auctioned. So the guy says, okay, well, who in here would be willing to um, you know, uh, give $10 for, for a date with Sherry? And we're all like looking over at Brody like, come on, dude, you're going to give $10? And he's like, Dory's like, I'll, I'll give $10. I'll give $10. We're like, yeah, yeah, Brody, good job. Good job, he did it. And then all of a sudden, the guy goes, well, anybody willing to give $20? And this kid across the room, on the other side of the room, he goes, I'll give $20. And we're like, oh, yeah, like a little competition. I like this, right? And so the guy goes, well, who's willing to give $30? And Brody goes, I- I'll give $30. I'll give $30. Remember, that's his max. Like, I ain't going no further. I don't like her. I'm not willing to pay the price. Guy goes, well, who's willing to give $40? The guy across the room goes, I give $40. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good, right? And so we're all like just standing there watching him go. So the guy goes, who's willing to give $50? And we're all like, okay, bro, you don't like her, right? We're all looking at him like, 
seriously, you're going to let this girl go? Brody goes, I'll do $50, I'll do 50 okay? And we're all, yeah, Brody, yeah, I get it. And then the auctioneer goes, who's willing to give 60 This guy over here, I'm willing to give 60 70 Brody's like, I'll give 70 80 90 I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what is going on? Like, this is intense, right? And I'm like, bro, you don't even have $90. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and at one point in the middle of this thing, Brody literally stands up and he go, looks at the kid and goes, stop bidding like that. And the kid's just like, $100. Like, he didn't care, right? <laughs> and so at one point, Brody's like, I look like he was done. He was down and out. And I'm like, Brody, I'll give you $10. You can't lose. And so he goes, 110 right? And he just, by the end of the night, Brody, he won the auction. $170. <clears throat> But he didn't like her. Don't worry. I, I make fun of Brody. We're still really good friends because I say, Brody, so you just spent $170 on a girl that already likes you, and now you've got to take her out on a date that's going to cost you more money. And, and here's the best part. He didn't even marry her. That's the best part. I'm like, dude. <laughs> so Brody, at the end, he walks up sheepishly to the person and says, um, I have a, like $30, but I'm going to need to go to the ATM. Can I write an IOU? Like, legitimately had to go do it. But here was the amazing thing, and you understand this, that, that Brody, in this moment, like, for him, he was like, he liked this girl so much that he was willing to pay the price, a big price, right? And he didn't, like I said, he didn't even marry her. Think about this. Jesus was so much more willing to pay the price for you. He paid the ultimate price for you. He's up there going, I don't care what the cost is. I don't care how high it gets up. I'm willing to pay the price for you. In the book of Romans, it says this. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. He says this, that we are made right with God, get this, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who, get, who does what? Who believes no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in, in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight. Get this. When they believe in Jesus. God saved you by grace. Not when you got it all right. But when you believed. So can I just ask you, have you done that? Do you, do you understand this, this reality? That Jesus loved you so much. This is what we believe, that he was willing to die on a cross for you. And all you have to do to get that, all you have to do to receive that, is not get your life figured out, not take care of all your sin, not do this, not check off A, B, C, D. He just says this is what you gotta do. Believe. Believe. That this is for you. If you've never done that, I, I would love to lead you in that right now. And you might say, Joel, wait, don't I have to get it all figured out first? Don't I have to go take care of this problem first? And I would just say, no, you don't. Sure, you need to work on things in your life. Sure, you need to try to do things right. But you can make that choice now, today. In fact, would you just do me a favor? Would you bow your heads with me right now, just for the sake of everybody in the room? Maybe that's you. 
Maybe today God is speaking to you that you just need to believe. Maybe for some of you here today and you, you have this idea that you need to get certain things right in your life first. But maybe Jesus is speaking to you saying, would you just believe that God loved you so much that God saved you by grace, not when you got it all right, but when you believed. In other words, it's a choice. You don't have to have it all together. You just simply need to believe. In fact, if that's you right now in the quietness of your heart, you can say a prayer to just simply invite him in, telling him that you believe. You can give your life to him. And so if that's you, if you want to do that, I can't do this for you, but in the quietness of your heart, just go to him and just say something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I thank you for your grace, God. God, right now, I receive your grace. I ask that you forgive me of my sins, Lord. God, I believe. Say, God, I believe. God, come into my life. And I want to follow you with all my heart. Now, Jesus, we just say thank you for those people who who made that decision today, who have stepped across that line, who've chosen to believe. God, God, help help us not to get so caught up in the things that truly don't matter in life. God, we we thank you that, God, you are willing to suffer for us. God, that you are willing to die for us. That you are willing to pay the ultimate price for us. So God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. We praise you and give you praise for the people who made decisions today, who decided to step across that line. Let's just give Jesus praise today for that. Amazing thing. Now, now listen, if you made that decision today, um, I, would, I would love for you to try to make a next step. You say, well, what, what's next? And so after I dismiss you in just a moment, I'm going to actually be out at your next step. And if that's you, if you made a decision, you gave your life to Christ for the first time and rededicate your life, I'd love to meet you out there and I can connect you with a book. We can help you get signed up for baptism if that's something you want to do. But you guys go. You have a blessed week. We hope to see you back next week. And again, if you made that decision, love to meet you at your next step. Have a great week.